We are studying the book of? Yes, we are. Page 953. 953 in your pew Bibles, you'll find it handy to have it open and available to you. We're reading verses 3 through 11 of Philippians chapter 1. This is what Paul says. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. In the week before school started, my little friend Quincy, who is going into kindergarten, got this letter from his kindergarten teacher. Dear Quincy, it was so great to meet you last week at our open house. I cannot wait to see you again on our first day together this Wednesday. I hope you're planning to have some fun. We will spend some special time with God, play some games to get to know each other, learn all about our room, and even take a walk through our school to see where we will go for things like gym, music, art, and computers. We will read great stories, and I will have a special snack for you to nibble on. Yummy. We will talk about rocks, make a special birthday book for two of your new kindergarten friends, play outside for recess, and much, much more. How does that sound? Are you ready for all this fun? I hope so. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Love, Mrs. M. Isn't that great? Doesn't that make you want to go to kindergarten? Yes, I know. Snacks and recess. Come on. Don't you wish that when you walked into your calculus class, your professor was like, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be in this room, and there's this big chalkboard, and I'm going to write things on it. And you're going to understand it eventually, hopefully over time. It's going to be great. And when you get things right, I'm going to give you a sticker. Wouldn't that be fantastic? In this first section of Paul to the Philippians, he sounds a little like an enthusiastic kindergarten teacher. I love you all so much. You're just the best. I pray for you all the time. I'm just so thankful for you. All of your partnership and the gospel you've shared with me through all this stuff and the defense and the joy. And the, oh my goodness, you guys are the best. 
You're fantastic. God is going to do great things in you. In fact, he's already started some good things in you, and he's going to bring them to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I just know he is. It's going to be fantastic. (laughs) That's Paul in this section of Philippians. He is fired up. He is excited. He loves these people. And it would be very tempting for the Philippians reading that to think, oh, that's fantastic. That's really great. Paul loves us. Excellent. Time for snacks and recess. (laughs) But just as kindergarten isn't all about snacks and recess, this isn't only about that. In fact, Quincy's dad, Aaron, right there, associate chaplain, Aaron, Quincy's dad would be a little bothered if at the end of each and every school day, Quincy came home and said, I had snacks and I went to recess. Did did you learn about the rocks? No? (laughs) Did you find out where the computer room is? I don't think so. Did did you have the special time with God? Mm, I don't remember. Aaron and his wife, Betsy, are paying good money, not just so that Quincy can go off and have snacks and recess and a very enthusiastic teacher, but they actually want him to learn things. They actually want him at the end of this year to be ready to go into first grade. They want him to be able to know his letters and his numbers and to write his name and maybe read some some words. They want him to know Bible stories. They want him to know how to turn on the computer and get it to go. They want him to learn certain things. And the same here with Paul. If at first glance you just look it through and say, wow, he's very enthusiastic. He likes these people very much. You're going to miss the fact that he actually has a very specific curriculum laid out for the Philippians in this first little passage of Scripture. And that's because he actually does see them as his partners in the gospel. We have it translated here as a sharing in the gospel. And for those of you who did the Bible study this week, you understand, you remember, that the idea of partnership or fellowship had very specific meaning at this time and place. To be a partner with someone meant that you actually partnered with them, and that involved money and labor. You learned this week in your Bible study that when people were in prison, the only way that they got food was how? Their friends brought it to them, right? And so the Philippians have invested in Paul. We don't know if he was in prison in Rome or if he was in prison in Ephesus. Either way, it was a long way from Philippi. They made the commitment to gather up food and resources and send some of their community to Paul. They invested in Paul. And he invested in in them. There was a partnership between the two of them, a partnership that allowed him to say, God who began a good work in you, because he'd seen it. He'd witnessed it. He'd eaten it. The good work that had begun in them was a work that allowed them to selflessly give of themselves to Paul. And this is the backdrop for the curriculum that he lays out, which is in 
verses 9 to 11. He says, this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight. Now, the word that he chooses to use there for the word love is the idea of agape, agape love. Agape is the Greek word for love that means what? What kind of love is this? Selfless love, unconditional love, a giving love, a generous love. I want, he says, I want your agape love to overflow more and more. And then he says it this way, in knowledge and full insight or discernment or the ability to determine what's right from wrong. He wants their brains to be engaged in their loving. That may seem a little odd. He wants their brains to be engaged in how they love. But what he wants is for their loves to be aligned with agape love, with the love of God. So that, he says, you can determine what is best, or so that you can choose right from wrong, is another way to put it. He wants their loves to be aligned with the love of God so that they can choose right from wrong, so that they can determine what is best. Now, this may seem a little bit odd until you remember that the Philippian church was kind of a hodgepodge community. Started off with Lydia, the Greek businesswoman, and the slave girl who had the demon cast out of her, and the Philippian jailer and his household, and these people kind of came together. And the Jewish women who'd been down by the river and maybe some Roman soldiers who found this whole thing very interesting. So you have this hodgepodge of people who are coming together in this Christian church and each of whom has a community that's telling them how they should make their choices. The Roman soldiers retired, sent to Philippi because it had good land and gold and it was like a retirement community for Roman soldiers. They had other retired Roman soldiers who said, these are the choices that you should make. This is how we're having fun. We're going to the temple. We're going to the pagan temples and we're sleeping with the prostitutes over here. We're going to the bars. We're having a great time. These, this, is, this is the choice you should make. You should align yourself with us. And the business people who worked with Lydia and people like her, they said, this is, this is how you're supposed to choose. You overcharge people. And you, you, you cut your own costs a little bit. And you make it so that you, you tell them that the product is a little bit better than it actually is. That's, that's how you make a profit. That's how you do it. You, you, it's not really lying. It's just, you know, it's the way of doing business. Then you had the slaves over here who were telling the new Christian slaves, this is how you be a slave. You try to get away with as much as you can. You know, just do the bare minimum of what the master asks you. You know, don't get in trouble a lot, but just don't, you know, don't go overboard. Just, like, try to survive. That's what you're supposed to do. And Philippian jailer guy, come on. You're supposed to, like, beat heads every now and then. Use power to get your point across. That's what you're supposed to do. You're a big, beefy guy. That's why we picked you to be the jailer. Align yourself with us, with our decisions. So in this 
group of Christian people who are trying very hard to figure out what it means to live as disciples of Jesus Christ. Paul is very aware of the fact that all of them belong to groups that are trying to make them choose to align themselves with the loves that are out there. Sound familiar? Choose the easy major. I mean, come on, what's college about? You really wanna think that hard? Choose the easy major. Choose the easiest class schedule, choose the easiest profs, get out of here with like a B minus average, you'll be just fine. Just stay in the relationship. I mean, come on, you aren't anybody if you're not in a relationship, so I don't care if it's not working for you, it's better than being alone, just stay in the relationship. The GPA is God. (laughs) Do everything you can to get a wonderful GPA. All the extra credit, all the honors classes. Plagiarize. Cheat. Kiss up. Do whatever it takes. Please Everyone, overcommit. Say yes all the time to everything without any sort of discernment because you don't ever want to disappoint anybody, especially your parents. So overcommit all the time until you're completely strung out and exhausted and you get sick and then everybody knows how busy you are and you get lots of affirmation. Do that. And this is my prayer. That your love will line up with the things that God loves. Selfless, generous, agapic love of God that says the GPA is not God and I can use my head, that's what I'm here to do, and I am fine as a single person, stronger, in fact, and I can say no every now and then because it allows me to rest and say yes to other things. That your love may overflow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you can determine what is best what is best so that you can align your love with the things that God loves. That's Paul's prayer for the Philippians. That's Paul's prayer for us. That as we live in a world that's constantly saying, love this instead, love that instead, we're constantly brought back to the true love of God who says, this is what it means to love me. It means that you love me with your whole heart and soul and mind and strength. That you love me. This is my prayer, says Paul. That your agopic, selfless love will overflow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so you can determine what is best, so you can make the best choices, choices that affirm who you are as a child of God and not who the other people say you're supposed to be. 
choices that then lead to the next thing so that you may be pure and blameless. Because what happens when you start to make particular choices is this you start to grow a particular character. Choices lead to character. We have some students in our community who have made the choice to practice Sabbath. On Sunday, they do not do any homework. I know you scoff, but it's true. They've said six days, we can get it done in six days, and then on Sundays, this is novel, they actually rest. They sleep in, they go to church, they have a good dinner, they play ultimate frisbee, they hang out, they come to loft, and the whole day they are free because they know they've taken care of whatever needs to be taken care of, and they get to simply rest in the Lord. Now this cost them something. They had to make the choice, and they had to arrange their lives to honor this choice. But they said, we want to love the things that God loves. And we think God loves rest and play and restoration and fun. And that's why he set a whole day aside for it. So we're going to love the things that God loves. And that means rearranging our lives. That means working a little more during the week. We're going to do it because we want to love the things that God loves. And they figured out that they couldn't do this by themselves. And so they have a little accountability team. And it turns out that their accountability team turns out to be the people that they want to hang out with on Sunday anyway. So it's like their, their play group. <laughs> Don't you think we need more play groups at Calvin College? And what's happened to them because they've made this particular choice is that they've seen in their lives the development of a certain kind of character. This this choice has grown in them the ability to be calm, to let go, to say on one day every week, I don't need to prove myself. I don't need to be an overachiever today. I just get to delight in God and who he is and who he's created the world to be. The choice in them, choosing to align themselves with the things that God loves, has let them grow a character that continues to look more and more like Jesus Christ, more and more like a disciple, more and more like somebody who knows that they are not in charge of the world and they're happy about it. And this is my prayer, says Paul, the enthusiastic kindergarten teacher. This is the curriculum that your agopic love overflows more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you can determine what is best and so that you are pure and blameless so that the choices you make that align yourself with the loves of our God then make you look more and more like our God and make you look more and more like Jesus Christ. And then he gives this great line having produced a harvest of righteousness. In my Bible study this week, we spent a little time on that word, harvest. And those in, the, in my group that had grown up in the city kind of had these, you know, kind of hallmarky kind of images of harvest. You know, like 
picking blueberries on a lovely afternoon or, you know, going to the apple orchard. Oh! <laughs> or or those, those cornucopia displays that are always on the table at church at Thanksgiving, right, with like all the stuff falling out of them. Who uses a cornucopia at any other time than that? I don't know. There they are every year. Whew. But the people who had grown up on farms, when we talked about the idea of harvest, the first word that came to their mind was work. Dr. Grunendike, Dr. Kathy Grunendike, who teaches in communications, is in my Bible study, and she grew up on a farm in Iowa. And she said, for me, harvest brings to mind sitting on a tractor on a really hot day, and I'm all sweaty, and all the pieces of corn are sticking to me. She said, that's harvest. Isn't that a great image? That's a real image of harvest. She said, harvest meant work. Harvest meant a lot of work. And I think too often we imagine that the Christian life is all about snacks and recess. You know, it's all like, Friday chapels and listening to the David Crowder band really loud in your car and singing along and, you know, like really nice times of like holding our hands together, like yay! Snacks and recess. And in this opening section to the book of Philippians, Paul's like, yes, and... <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. I'll be here all week. Yes, and, yes, snacks and recess, and work that leads to harvest. It actually takes work to grow spiritually. Here at Calvin, we don't require you to go to chapel, although I'd like to. <laughs> we don't make you sign up for Bible studies. We don't force you to have prayer times or quiet times. We provide a plethora of opportunities for you, but you actually have to do these things if you want to grow. You actually have to make a choice to get your butt out of bed and read the Bible. You actually have to make a choice to spend time in prayer. You actually have to choose on occasion to walk into this building between 10 and 10.20, Monday through Friday, and worship with other people. You actually have to choose this. It always amazes me when people talk about, you know, oh, I wish I could grow more spiritually. Oh, well, you know, what are you doing? Um, nothing. Like, well, well, how's that working for you then? <laughs> Quincy actually has to participate in his kindergarten class. He actually has to pick up pencils and trace the letters. He actually has to learn all the alphabet people, right? Remember alphabet people? Yeah. He's got to learn all the alphabet people. He's got to listen during story time. He has to learn how to get in line. He has to learn how to, how to pay attention. He actually has to participate in his own educational process. 
we actually get to participate in our spiritual growth processes. The idea of partnership doesn't just apply to Paul and the Philippians. The idea of partnership is what God wants to do with you. That's why this whole narrative is framed by the promise that God who began a good work among you will be faithful to complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. And all of these things that Paul talks about are framed up by that, that it's God who is nudging you right now and saying, that Sabbath idea, that's a good one. It's God who's pulling at your shirt sleeve right now and saying, How about that prayer life? Let's get back to that. Let's find an accountability partner. It's God who's saying to you, it's not too late to sign up for a Bible study on Philippians. Maybe it's a little bit me, but mostly it's God. (laughs) It's God who's like, come on. Let's do this together. It's God above all who's the enthusiastic teacher who says, I have so many great things for you. I have so many great plans for you. I'm so excited about how you are going to grow up in faith. I am so eager to see what happens in your life when you actually trust me with the hard stuff. I am so excited to see what happens with your, in your life when you stop worrying about money and turn it over to me. I'm so eager to see how your perspective on life will be different when you stop worrying about the future and just enjoy today. It's God who began a good work among you and will be faithful to complete it. It's God who says, come on, align your loves with the things that I love and know that when you choose things, that the rest of the world thinks are foolish. When you make a choice publicly to align yourself, to align this college with the things that God loves, I will bless it. God says, test me in this, try me. When you align your loves with the things that I love, know that I will bless you. Know that I will affirm it. Know that I will use this to produce in you a harvest of righteousness, the fruits of good living that will benefit more people than you can ever imagine. God began a good work in you, and he will be faithful to complete it. God wants you tonight to align your loves with the things that he loves so that he can develop in you a character that is pure and blameless. God is eager tonight to see the harvest of righteousness, the fruit of right living that comes when the students, staff, and faculty of Calvin College submit their entire lives to him. God, who began a good work among you, will be faithful to complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. And tonight, we are going to give you a sign of that, a reminder that you are blessed by God, 
a reminder that God, your enthusiastic kindergarten teacher, is fired up. We are going to give each of you a sticker. <laughs> in just a minute, I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing Jesus Loves Me, and just come forward to the three stations here and get a sticker as a reminder that God who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, and he is so excited about the person that you are becoming. Will you pray with me? God, we give you praise and thanks that you are a mighty God, that you are a God who loves us beyond measure, that you are a God who has modeled for us what agape love looks like, we thank you for Jesus Christ who emptied himself, died on a cross, and was raised again to remind us that when we love the things that you love, when we say no to the demands of the world, that you raise us up, that you bless us, and so we pray, gracious God, that tonight you will give us the courage to determine what is best, that you will give us character that is pure and blameless, that you will produce in us a harvest of righteousness that is beyond our asking or imagining, and that you bless us because of Jesus Christ who loves us. Amen.